Ohio High School Football. It's a juggernaut each and every week. I'm going to take you on an inside look at the high school coaching world. In the world of high school coaching, there is far more than what people see after 7 p.m. on a Friday night. This is The Coach's Approach. Welcome to The Coach's Approach. A podcast where we sit down with high school coaches and get the cold, hard facts about the high school coaching world. This is The Coach's Approach, where we talk X's and O's. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is The Coach's Approach, where we talk the X's and O's. Win the day or dominate the day. The choice is yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coach's Approach podcast. I'm George Gresco. Welcome, everybody. Today in the Coach's booth, we have Coach Damian Creel, head coach of the Lorraine High School, home of the Titans, for episode three, catching up with Creel. Coach Creel, welcome. Appreciate it. I'm humbled to be here. <laughs> it's going to be a good show. Uh, before we get started, I need to shout out our sponsors, Anthony's Family Restaurant in Eastlake on the corner of 91 and Vine Street, where together is our favorite place to be. Open for dining, carryout, and curbside pickup. Uh, G&G Printing, where your custom apparel in seven to 10 days or less dominate your design. Also, if there's anyone out there willing to sponsor the podcast, please message us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Again, Coach Creel, welcome. Um, I want to get right into your first head coaching job. Um, you come home to coach your alma mater, uh, Beachwood High School, home of the Bison, you were hired at Beachwood in June of 2015. Uh, talk a little bit about how that transpired, because that's a late hire in June. Yeah, it was a real late hire. Um, I was actually um, going to be an assistant coach at Cleveland Heights, and I was applying for jobs here and there, and I always got that uh, response back at the end of the interviews. You know, we're looking for someone with experience. Sure. And um, the Beachwood thing came open. Uh, reached out to the AD. We talked, and went through the formal interview process and um, got hired. So it, it happened quick. It was late. Um, getting together a staff was absolutely horrendous, but I, I was able to put together a great staff. Um, and, uh, you know, it, uh, it lasted six years. Sure. And uh, in, in your six-year span uh, as Beachwood's head football coach, you compiled a record of 26 and 32. Um, but in your final three seasons, uh, you win 20 out of 27 games. That's a hell of a span. How was that possible? Just work, man. Uh, grinding, coming in on Saturdays, the off season. Uh, just to, it, it, just it's a payoff for the kids and what the work they put in. Uh, and you know, Beachwood doesn't have that much talent um, consistently. So, you know, the off season starting after Martin Luther King Day, lifting. Uh, you coaching at Cardinal, being a small school, you understand that all kids aren't available to work out. <laughs> oh. So, you know, you have to be creative when you, to, to, to get every kid to, to, to work out. So a lot of, a lot of hard days. Um, and we definitely, we definitely took the stairs. Sure. Uh, we didn't take no elevator uh, to get to where we wanted to be. And we took our lumps. Um, it's kind of crazy because when I got the job, they were in the smaller division of the CBC and coach Gibbons was having some success. Um, and right when I took the job, we bumped up playing Perry, West yeah, Jeez, Kirtlands, and, yeah. yeah, all the Kirtlands and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we took our lumps. Um, 
And I think it made us, it, that was the fruits of our labor in those last three years going to, you know, 20 and seven. Sure. Yeah, Beachwood makes the playoffs in 2019 and 2020, ending Beachwood's 11-year playoff drought. As a 1994 graduate of Beachwood, talk about what that meant to you in your coaching career. It meant a lot. Playing there, we always talked about it with, with the crew I went to high school with. And back then, it was the top four teams, though. Um, I remember a team, Aurora, uh, they went 10-0 and 0 and didn't even make the playoffs. <laughs> so, you know, it was real tough back yeah, that's then. That's a lot different than now. There's yeah. top 16 yeah, teams Yeah, top 16. Playoffs, you know? we, went, we went to the playoffs going 1-9, and nine, so yeah. go figure. <laughs> but um, it meant a lot. Um, and, we, you know, I was I actually attended the first uh, Beachwood game where we played Warren JFK. And that year they ended up winning state in terms of playing. We played at what, Stowe? So we took a fan bus out there. I was, what, eighth grade. <laughs> so it was kind of it's kind of funny. But it was it was a great feeling to have that playoff win. And just a playoff home game because we never had that before. So sure. that was a big accomplishment. We're going to hit on that too, absolutely. Um, as the leader of Beachwood's football program, you ended an 11-year playoff drought, as we already mentioned. You led the Bison to their first undefeated season in school history. Uh, you had the first home playoff game in school history, and you get the first playoff win in school history all at the same time. Uh, talk a little bit about those accomplishments and what they meant for not only for you but the school and community. I think it meant a lot. It meant a lot to me. I think it meant a lot to their community. Uh, I hope it, it means a lot to the school district. Um, I hope they they honor that at some point, uh, not for my sake, just for the program's sake, what it's been through, especially when all the guys I played with when I was in high school and the guys that, that played after me who were in search of doing those things. And, and you know, we had opportunity to do it. We had an opportunity to host our first home game. We had to the, the opportunity to win our first home uh, playoff game and, you know, the undefeated season, you know, being COVID, I really don't care. We played six games and, you know, in that stretch, it was a tough, it was a tough thing to deal with um, dealing with COVID. And I also was dealing with some personal issues with my dad. My dad passed away, uh, non-COVID related. Um, so it was a tough, it was a tough go around for me dealing with that. Sure. along with starting back up the season. And there was a point where I really didn't want to, I didn't really want to come back. Yeah. And uh, COVID kind of was a blessing in the size of the size, no disrespect for, for those who we lost, but it gave me that time to kind of stay away a little bit. And my assistant coaches stepped up big time for me to fill in when we were doing those 10, 10 player pods and, Again, you know the drill. Yeah, we so, talked to Butchko about that. Those yeah. ten player pods, those yeah. long days, you know, long those long days, long days. But yeah, it, it it means a lot to be able to to say I was about, I was I was there coaching and leading that team to those accomplishments. Sure, you you were also a standout athlete during your days at Beachwood. As I mentioned, you were a 1994 graduate. Uh, you were a two time All Ohioan, an All Ohioan multiple sports, which is almost unheard of now. Um, I read somewhere that you are the only athlete to ever do that. Does that still stand today? Uh, that is not true. I actually, Regis White, who was All-State in football and basketball, um, and he's up on the wall as well. Okay. Um, so um, I wasn't the only one. I think it's just me. And Dewan Gray was baseball and football. So there's three of us, I believe, that's up on the wall that, for two sports. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, but you know, more so than that, me being up on the wall twice and being in the Hall of Fame, it was more gratifying when I coached uh, Ben Connor and he was All State. Sure. And 
I was able to be at his presentation and his pictures like right above mine. That's awesome. And, See, that's cool. That's a good stuff that's, right there. You know, more so me being up on the wall, but the coach guy and saying, listen, man, you, you're up there. He's up there with his coach. That's that's forever sure. in my mind. And that's to me a little bit more gratifying than seeing myself up there. Yeah, absolutely. And that was like my last year at Cardinal. There was about a handful of first team all Ohioans, and I was fortunate uh, enough to coach Mike Soltis, the left tackle. Mm-hmm. And to put him up on the wall is just, you know, gratifying for me. Um, Getting into what would be one of your final off seasons at Beachwood. There was a lot of stuff that went down in a two month span uh, from March to May in 2019, Mm -hmm. Uh, March 8th or March 18th, 2019, an email was sent out to players, parents, and families. The email was sent out for Beachwood's administration. The email informed families about an ongoing investigation of allegations of illegal recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit how these allegations kind of surfaced? Well, what I can say about that, um, you know, it was a situation of the administration uh, thinking I um, was legally recruiting players and families in the Beachwood. Um, I can stand here and look you in the face and 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 on my, on my kids' life say that every kid I had in Beachwood was living in Beachwood. Um, I had really nothing to do with that. Um, through that, I got now renewed, got fired, um, which is the, the the easy and nice way to say it. Sure, um, well, uh, that's and, my next part and, too. And, yeah. and at that point, I, I, it for me, it was about you know clearing my name, sure. and you know through the whole process, you know things got my reputation got tarnished. Um, there were things that people perceived about about me that 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 really weren't true um so what, what i can say is you know I, I, there were allegations that i did it um there was a thorough investigation by our district there was a thorough investigation by osha because our district took it to osha and there were no there were they were they were baseless and it all came back clear and and you know beachwood had to get my job back so i look at it it's unfortunate um especially coming from a place that you call home and, you know, I regret them not coming to me and asking me and asking, sitting me down and asking me. Uh, that's what hurts the most, um, them making those assumptions that they did um, because I didn't do what they did or sure. what they thought I did. Right. Um, on May 10th, almost two months after these allegations surfaced, the Beachwood School Board voted in favor not to renew your contract, as you mentioned. But then two weeks later, on May 23rd, the school board voted to rehire you. Mm-hmm. What transpired in those two weeks from essentially firing you to rehiring you? Um, well, I can say I, I, I had a defend, I defended myself. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I wanted to protect myself and my reputation. Um, I know there were a lot of people in the community um, that came out and supported me. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm forever thankful for that. Those folks uh, went to a board meeting where it was packed with, with with players and parents who I've impacted that came that came forth and in, in my in my honor to just let them know that. Um, so uh, it was a situation of me having you know getting counsel to do what I needed to do to get to protect my name, and that was the only reason why I did that so that my the reputation of me stands stands firm and strong of who I am. Absolutely. And that kind of, I'm going to bring up kind of what happened with me at Cardinal this past year is I could have the opportunity to resign right off the bat. And 
I did, you know, because it's about fighting for what you believe in, fighting for your name. Like yeah. you said, clear your name. Um, after uh, being rehired in 2019, uh, after the investigation's finally over, the Bison go eight and three overall and five and one in the conference. Then in 2020, you go six and all overall, first playoff school uh, playoff victory in school history. After that 2020 season, you resigned as the head football coach at Beachwood High School. Uh, did everything prior to those two seasons lead to your resignation? I, I can say I was. I'll give you this perspective. It was it was hard um, coming back, and for a group of people to fire you, and then you know me getting my job back, and then having to still work with the same folks that kind of didn't want you around. Absolutely. So it was it was very very tough on me uh, those next two seasons um, to just you know realistically, you know, trust anything that was said, or I felt, you know, I, I had to watch my back uh, a little bit. And those aren't, those aren't normal, or those aren't things you want to be able to, to live on, or be, be over your shoulder, uh, you know, wondering who, who's watching you, or what's this, what's that. Um, and it really wasn't a formal apology, or any, anything like that. Um, so it was, it was difficult and, and it did, you know, along with my dad and, and, and everything, I just, it was time. I think peace of mind. Sure. And everything just kind of started piling up. Yeah. At one and, time. Peace of, and, and peace of mind at that point was, was more important than, than anything else. Absolutely. And it's kind of a shame that you had to fight to clear your name. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, you know, those people are still watching over your shoulder yeah. and, but that's a shame. Um, let me get, where am I at here? Um, I want to tell the listeners a little story at the end of that 2019 season, uh, the CDC has a meeting to vote with coaches every year. I voted for you for coach of the year. You nominated and you. yeah, you I nominated you for coach of the year. I voted for you. I, I was your sole vote that yes, season. Um, where am I at? I, I saw how good that 2019 Beachwood team was firsthand. I saw firsthand. You guys put up like 50 points on us in like a half and has got us to a running clock. But um, I knew that other schools weren't going to vote for you solely upon that investigation that happened that mm -hmm. same year, which is a shame because I know that you're a damn good coach. But I wanted to share that little story. Um, after resigning from Beachwood, how are you feeling? Uh, because I, I believe that was your dream job. You went back home, mm -hmm. 94 graduate, like I mentioned, um, taking over your alma mater. How were you feeling after you resigned? Uh, I felt a, a, a big relief. And what I can say is, I knew I made the right decision when there was no one in administration that that pulled me in because I think it was a shock to some people, uh, especially coming off the season that we had. Uh, obviously, the kids were shocked and disappointed, but I knew I made the right decision when there was not a principal, or a superintendent, or athletic director that hey, let's let's pull this guy in and and find out why and see and that kind of let me know I made the right decision and, and it was a big relief um, knowing, knowing that I made the right decision. Cause at first I didn't, I didn't know. And like you said, when I got the Beachwood job, it was, it was something I knew I, I would have to spend some time there turning it around. And we, and we, we spent the time doing that. And, and then you finally get it turned around. Um, 
you know, you, you want to, you want to keep it there. And, you know, when I decided to step down, unfortunately we had some kids that, that left and kind of decimated the program somewhat. Um, so I knew I made the right decision when, when, when that transpired. Absolutely. After you graduated from Beachwood in 1994, you go on and continue your athletic and education career at Hiram College, home of the Terriers. Um, you, you earn an awesome award while at Hiram. You earn the Moses Fleetwood Walker Award. Can you little t- talk a little bit about how that honor is received and how that gets given out? Well, I never, I never knew who Moses Fleetwood Walker was, but um, he was a, uh, a African American baseball player that played a long, long time ago. Um, and basically, th- that that award was given to um, an athlete baseball player. Uh, that demonstrated excellence in the in the academic in the classroom and was just a a, a good citizen, you know, out, off the field and obviously did some things on the field that were good. And it was kind of crazy because I didn't my coach my coach signed me up and, and nominated me for it. I had no clue, and he called me in the office one day and said, "Hey, listen, you got this award." And <laughs> I ended up having to research him. Um, Cause I didn't know. Sure. And I, and I actually had to research it too, because yeah. actually my girlfriend goes to, or just graduated from Hiram a few years ago and I had research. I'd never heard it either. Yeah, so. so I never heard it. It was a, it was a heck of an honor that I had to go um, to a dinner uh, with my parents and everything. So it was, and it was really after I got my senior year, I got hurt real bad and it was, didn't even know if I was going to be playing baseball my senior sure. year. Um, so it was during a downtime in my life uh athletically that that kind of picked me up a little bit winning that award that's awesome that's fantastic especially when you don't know what it is you have to research it and yep. that's a cool thing coach you're also involved in many organizations and initiatives um in 2020 you become the president of the african-american uh, coaching alliance that was established in the spring of 2020 yes sir how did you become the president and can you talk a little bit about what the coaching alliance is uh well i, I my intentions were not to be the president um you know, during 2020, there was some. probably got you, didn't he? <laughs> uh, there was a lot of stuff going on with the George Floyd, um, just a lot of unrest in our country, right? And I took it a step further, and I, I just looked at us as Black coaches and how we interact with each other. And I kind of put together a group and start opening up conversations about us and how we deal with each other and, and the things we do and don't do. Um, because, you know, dealing with, um, and most of the coaches that are in the Alliance organization basically deal with inner city kids. And we have the same issues and same problems that some coaches don't have that, that teach in either, you know, rural or, you know, white communities. Um, I wanted us to bring our coaches together because I saw a lot of, um, I don't want to say infighting, but you have, you have kids transferring and you saw the heights, you have kids transferring from here to there, which, then generates, you know, rifts between coaches. So I wanted to try to put that aside and, and, and us stand up and be men and talk about issues that we have. And, and through the process, you know, we ended up putting together a board and, you know, people, we, we, and, and, and lo and behold, people wanted me to be the president because it was my idea to bring people together. Now we used to have back in the day, a minority coaches uh, association, which I was a part of. And, um, that kind of phased out just because of just the lack of, of um, involvement that we had from black culture. So, 
you know, we're just trying to bring some coaches together. Uh, we're trying to bring some our kids together, uh, network, um, and just do right by just do right by our kids and, and by each other. You sure. know, we sent a letter to Rootstown when uh, Coach Spiker got got fired. Yeah, I saw um, that. He actually just got hired as the AD, I believe, over at Crestwood. Did I could be very wrong. I could be Good very wrong, him. but I'm almost Good positive it's now the AD. Which so is we awesome. sent we sent him uh, we sent a letter on our on his behalf, just stating about their mission statement, what they're trying to do, and backing Coach Spiker and what he did. Because you know, not too many people I'm finding out have the have the balls to stand up what's right and yeah. do what's right. So <laughs> we we appreciate that as an alliance, and and we wanted that was like our first big thing that we we actually did. Sure. And uh, I saw on Twitter that you guys actually have an event coming up for the Alliance. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? We, uh, we, we, this is our second event. Um, last, uh, I want to say spring or summer, early summer, we put together a virtual clinic uh, with a bunch of um, college coaches that came on and uh, to promote our kids. Um, and this next week, January 7th, we're putting together our first annual AFCA uh, coaches clinic. And we have, awesome. uh, again, yes. we're, we want to promote, we want to just promote us. And, you know, every speaker that's going to present um, is going is, is, is African-American or um, my, a minority. Um, we're opening it up for, for everyone. And that's all um, just about the guys. That for all coach students. Yeah, we, okay. want, we want all coaches to, to attend, white coaches and, and whoever you are, white, red, purple. Uh, we want everybody to be there. Um, Where is this event going to be held at? It's going to be held at the, the Marriott and Beachwood, okay. right there on Richmond and um, Richmond and Harvard. Uh, so we're spending the money. We're putting it in a nice venue. It's going to be a nice setup. Is there a cost for coaches to attend? Is there twenty dollars per person? Uh, if you bring five or more, uh, in terms of your staff, is seventy five dollars. And we feel as though that's a that's a steal. No, that's a steal, absolutely. Yeah. And we Especially have, just getting all those coaches in one building at once. That that definitely. pays for the van. I'll pay seventy five bucks for yeah. myself just for that. Definitely. Get everyone together. And you got some young coaches, uh, African American coaches that don't sometimes don't get the opportunity to speak like some of our our, our peers. We've got the young defensive coordinator at Mountain Union coach Eli. Eli, uh, I hope I said his name right. And we got Coach. Gamble, who was at Ashland, yep. uh, offensive coordinator. I think this is his first year. When I was over at Kenson, he came into Kenson a few years yep. ago when we had quarterback named Johnny Tukusik, all yep. state honors, and I yep. remember talking to him a few times. Yep, and we got some some nice young talent um, that's going to be speaking as well. Coach Culliver at Elyria, Max, uh, Coach Stevens at Cleveland Heights are going to speak. Um, the newly hired head coach at Oberlin High School, uh, Dominic Goodwin, uh, is going to be speaking. Uh, Charles Salters, the head coach at Bedford. Um, and I think we have Scott Wiley, my defensive coordinator, oh, speaking. Nice. So we got we got some good topics and things that that, you know, I think we have stuff we have to offer as well. Absolutely. And then you're also the on the executive board of Build the Bridge, where the initiative is to unify coaches, athletes, and community communities, regardless of race, class, or creed. How did you get involved with Build the Bridge? I know Hicks brought you, you guys. You know, brainstorm. Yeah, it, was, it, was stuff, it was it was stuff that we were talking about. And then all of a sudden, you know how Coach Hicks is. He just he gets on Twitter one late night, puts it out there. And <laughs> I love his videos. They yeah, crack me they up. Crack like, me up. I keep so telling serious. him, like, can you do a better like camera view, Hicks? Come on, man. So <laughs> I think it became to get a little bit overwhelming uh with him in terms of the the amount of uh teams that were signing up. And I just offered the help. 
And then he, he came to me and was like, hey, do you want to be on the exec board? You want to help me with this? And I said, you know, I will. I'll help you do anything. So I guess that's how I came a part of it. Um, but initially we were we were talking about doing something. We were having discussions and, and then Hicks went ahead and, you know, when he has something in his heart, he, he goes with it. You know that. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm just here to be a support to him and and help the mission continue to to to, to go on. Can you talk a little bit about the scholarships that Build a Bridge will be giving out? I think it's coming up. Yeah, we have Coach Hicks put together some scholarships for some kids. I think two kids are going to receive a scholarship. Um, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I got to get, get my kids. So any kid that participated in any type of event, um, we have the, the Hall of Fame. Uh, we have the, 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 the Combine, uh, the food drive that we, we, we served food at, um, and our seven-on-seven. Uh, that we had out of our place and any other any other uh, two schools that got together and did something, they have the opportunity to, to earn a scholarship. So that's that's great in, in that sense. Um, so that those kids can, can reap the benefits because putting that on your, your resume, I think is big time for those kids. Absolutely. And anytime earning a scholarship, me and Coach Hicks kind of talk about a little bit also, because you don't know what their financial at home, home life is. Yep. And to earn money anytime to go to school is, Huge benefit. Yes, it is. It's good for those kids. Um, you crack into the coaching world uh, at Marion Franklin High School, home of the Red Devils. This was your first ever coaching job. Yep. How did you wind up at Marion Franklin? Man, I can tell you, it was kind of <laughs> crazy because I moved to Columbus right after school, right after college. I uh, didn't know anyone there. Um, started working in Columbus Public. And I wanted to get, I knew I wanted to coach. And it was I didn't actually jump into mayor. I actually started coaching basketball first. And um, I went to Eastmore High School. I think it's Eastmore Academy now. And I was, I just stopped up there, found a school. I said, hey, I'm interested in it. I'll volunteer. I'll do whatever. And they said, uh, well, I don't have any openings. You might want to go here. <laughs> so, and they told, they told me Mary Franklin. And uh, I went there. The head coach was Pete Ferguson, an older guy, good dude, um, kind of legendary around that little area part. Um, and I joined the staff. Uh, I coached freshman, I coached JV, uh, and I coached varsity. So <laughs> a young was, coach, that's the best thing you coach, can do, learn thing. as much as you can. And, and there was so much stuff we had to do. Like it, it was it was actually pretty unique and, and, and sweet. And it's, I, I think we, we missed those times where we didn't have that much money, so we got money by – we spray paint the field. So every Thursday night, we spray painted the field. Like after practice, we would spray paint it and we kind of graduated to the big the, the big machine. We had to stretch the string out and, and line the field and we got money for it. So that was what we did Thursday nights. Then we'd go out and get, you know, wings and, and the papaya juice yeah, and uh, have a great time. So yeah, it was it was a great time for me. And, and he gave me my first opportunity to be a coordinator. So I had no clue what I was doing. Sure. Uh, but it was it was great. great it's time. funny how the coaching world works is you go here, you apply for a job and then you wind up here. That's yep. yep. kind of how I got hired at Cardinal. Originally, I was I applied for a quarterback's job. I get into my interview and they asked me, do you want to be the head football coach? I said, what? The head coach resigned the night before. Wow. So I'm like, that's kind of how it went down. With I didn't know that. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy story. Man. Absolutely. Uh, you coached at um, many other high schools in your coaching career. Marion Franklin, as we just mentioned, Bedford, Cleveland Heights, Richmond Heights, St. Ed's, Glenville, and now you're at Lorraine as the head coach. Do you want to give any shout-outs to any of those schools or anyone that you coached with? 
Well, I don't want to. I don't want to forget any names, but I, I first of all I appreciate everyone that that gave me opportunities. Number one, number two, in all of those, there were some. There were, I took lessons from every place I've been at. And, and, I, and that's why you you were a defense coordinator, quarterbacks yeah, coach, DBs yeah. coach. So you coached us about every position. Yeah, there it was uh, Cleveland Heights Mike Jones. Shout out to him who um, was kind of crazy because I was how I even got the heights and and, and learning how and 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 um, meeting Kahari was I was actually supposed to be at Warrensville. I got a job at Warrensville coaching, and I ended up getting a teaching job at Cleveland Heights. Well, the the AD at Cleveland Heights coached me in high school. He said, listen, if you get this teaching job, you got to come over here and coach. Right. And you have to. you got to take that opportunity. Take There's it. no choice. But it was all summer I was with Warrensville. So it was something I didn't want to do because I already developed a relationship with Warrensville with those kids, right. with the coaching staff. So I had to inform them. Mm. Uh, I left. I came over to Cleveland Heights. Kahari was just introduced as a coordinator. I wanted to be a coordinator. So I kind of was – I came in there with a chip on my shoulder, right. thinking that I was better than everybody there, which I wasn't. <laughs> And, you know, uh, and me, and that's where me and Hicks, I don't want to say we butted heads, but it was more so me being the problem because I, I thought I, I thought I could do this you sure. know, and I was ready Absolutely. to do it. Yeah. It, it had nothing to do with, with Kahari. Um, and then we became the, you know, Hicks he sat me down and I'm like, listen, man, if we're going to do this, we got to do it together. Um, and, and, and Hicks was humble. He, he came off as wanting help. And from that point on, man, our relationship developed and I was there. And Mike, Mike, Coach Jones saw that, and I guess he said, well, listen, I got a young kid here who's eager to, to, to have some control and, and want to do something and learn. And out of the blue, he said, hey, you're calling the defense. <laughs> I said, what? So I learned. I learned. I, I went over his house on, on Saturdays after we game plan, drawing up cards. That's when before huddle. Had to draw up yeah. all the cards. Yeah. You had to write the scripts out. So I learned how to be a defensive coordinator. I'm lucky enough that I started coaching with Huddle. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, you had to watch the, the, the VHS tapes. You had to rewind. Uh, and you had to chart everything with pencil and paper. And some people still do. My yeah. defense, you know, Scott does it too. Um, but uh, it was it was something I, I wasn't expecting. And it, it was probably the best decision that was ever, you know, made for me. Sure. And I always think it. But I, I thank everyone that um, – through the good and the bad, you know, I learned what to do and what not to do. Um, and it helped me become the person I am today. Absolutely. Um, around a month after resigning at Beachwood, you get hired at Lorraine high school in February of 2021. In an article I read, it said it was very unexpected. Uh, why was it so unexpected to get hired there? Because I wasn't looking for, um, the moment, uh, I, I kind of was just going to go be an assistant. I was content. Peace of mind. We talked about earlier, right? And um, a buddy of mine reached out and said, what do you think about the Lorraine job? It's open. I said, Lorraine? Uh, I, I don't want to go out there. Forget that. You know, I, but I, I still I, said that. You said you have a long drive every day. It's a long <laughs> drive every day. But I, 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 I always knew about Lorraine. And there was one particular game. There was uh, Scott Watley and, and, and you know, Watley was over at Cleveland Heights. And they talked about Hicks when they played this Lorraine, how they had these three dudes that were just <laughs> dudes. Yeah. And how they should be their top notch. So I always kept that in the back of my mind. So to make a long story short, I told my buddy of mine, like, nah, I'm not interested in that. And then out of the blue, Dave McFarland calls me, who was the coach there previous. And they gave him the charge to, to find the next head coach. And he called me, we talked. And Coach McFarland has a unique way of explaining things and, and 
talking about situations. So I said, okay, I'll interview. And the more I talked, I actually talked to him three times before I even had an interview. And the more I talked to him, the more it sounded intriguing in the back of my mind, keeping in mind, I knew what, you know, Kahari and and Scott, you know, would always talk about how Lorraine. And uh, I went interviewed and it got more intriguing. And I interviewed again and and the, the people that was the biggest selling point with me was that the people were so it's like, I've never been around, you know, nicer people um, and supportive people. So that was the biggest thing that, that, that got me. Sure. And sometimes the best thing in life are the ones you don't see coming. Yep. Um, in your first season at Lorraine, unfortunately you go one in 10 um, on your schedule though, this past year, you had some juggernauts. Mm. You had Medina, Mr. Football, Drew Aller, um, Penn State commit, yep. um, St. Ed's 2021 state champions, Cleveland Heights 2021 LEL champions. Uh, what do you have to do to build the Titans back to where they need to be and should be? Well, what a lot of people don't know is Lorraine was the only school in Lorraine County that did not have football 2020. Uh, their, their administration determined that it would, it would not be safe for them. So they were the only school. So Coming into that situation, I knew we were going to be behind, but I I did not know it was going to be this big of a, a problem. And I, I, I use that word loosely. It wasn't a problem, but we were so behind. And looking at how our kids are in terms of just coming off COVID um, academically, uh, socially, our kids were just underdeveloped socially, emotionally, and athletically. Um, my starting quarterback this year, um, the last time he took a snap under center was when he was 10 years old because he was ineligible in the middle school. So we had a bunch of kids like that, that just never played the game before. Um, and we, we started a bunch of sophomores who realistically are freshmen and in terms of knowing the game of football, they didn't know. Um, but what we were able to do was to have a spring practice, um, we practiced the whole month of May, and we had to cut that short because of grades. Sure, and that was kind of nice this past year because you're allowed to coach kids, and that kind of that definitely had to help you, you know, kind of yeah. move. And we were a little bit, season. yeah, and it was a little bit different too because we were able to get in the full pads, and we were it was like spring football, sure. like Division yeah. One spring football, and it was great. Um, so thinking about that, man, we started in March and finished up late October, so it was a it was a long go, but. Um, for us to get to where we need to be, we need the commitment of the kids, obviously. Um, and we're getting that, you know, we're, we, we, we have a, a group of, of kids that, that want to get better, that saw themselves get better. Um, as coaches, if you watch our film, you know, wins and losses wise, you, you wouldn't be able to tell by the average eye, but coaches that can really sit down and watch our film and see what we went through this year with our top four players getting hurt. Um, having to play sophomore after sophomore after sophomore, um, we got better. Um, sometimes got, playing sophomores help you in the long run yeah. because now they're juniors, you yep. know, now they're, now they're ready to play and know what they expect out of them. So now it's time for us to put the off season together. We're going to start, you know, we actually kind of started already, but the full team is going to start working out here when we get back from school, whenever that is. Um, and, and start just, we got to keep grinding, keep grinding. And, you know, we, we, we kind of, kept this we kept the ship of, above float you know this season uh the kids learned how to compete biggest thing we had to teach our kids how to compete and um this season we, we kind of got to that uh, and got through that so 
just head down and work. That's that's what we're about, and that's what it's going to take um, for us to get to where we need to be. We're in a we're in a juggernaut, Division One, Region One, where there's no there's no cupcakes, man. And, no, there's uh, not. There's no point to to try to pad your record to to play a, a team that's beneath you because at some point you're going to have to run into the teams you mentioned. Yeah. You got to run into Saint Ed's, Minner, Medina, um, and um, so it's just it's just about the work, man. That's what we're about every day. We're gonna get in there, and our, our kids understand what's expected of them now, uh, how they're expected to do certain things, and the weight room is important to that. And uh, you know, we're gonna hit the ground running. Absolutely. In your first season as the head coach at Lorraine, you hire a controversial coach um, in Marcus Watley as one of your de- defensive coaches. Uh, he was involved in an incident over at Camp McKinley, which I'm not going to get into. Um, you guys have coached together before, know each other, long life friends. Can you talk a little bit about Coach Wiley and what made you bring him in as one of your defense coaches? Actually, I brought Scott Wiley, who was at Cleveland Heights. He wasn't uh, okay. at Camp McKinley. Okay. Um, so Scott Wiley was at Cleveland Heights. He, We uh, we have a history together in terms of uh, playing ball against each other. Okay. And um, – I coached against him when I was at Glenville at JFK. So the Marcus Watley and Scott Watley, two, two totally different people. Oh, okay, it's different coaches. Different okay. coaches, but he spent a time, he spent uh, uh, a tenure at Cleveland Heights with Kahari and Coach Stevens. Okay. And it was kind of controversial in that sense because he he kind of came on my staff. And it was it was crazy in a sense because I was talking to him about this whole Lorraine thing. His wife works in Lorraine. And he was doing the whole process of the interview, and he, he knew a lot about Lorraine. And ever since I've been coaching, me and Scott said we were going to coach together, right? And um, every time I would ask him, nah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm going to stay here. And, you know, he has a son out, and uh, his son's at Cincinnati. He's actually traveling right now to the bowl game in Dallas, Texas, oh, to, nice. to watch his son play. Um, and he came out, he's like, and I said, you know, joking, like I always do, Scott, if I get this job, you come. He said, career, I'll come. Mm. And I kind of paused. I'm like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> you serious? And he was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll come. And uh, I knew that was a guy that could help me, you know, get this thing going. And, um, yeah, man, he uh, he came, uh, kind of ruffled Cleveland Heights' feathers just a little bit because sure. he it was out of the blue. They weren't expecting it. And I, I wasn't either. But, um, you know, good coaches are hard to find, as you know. Um, and I was able to to to, to – to have him join my staff and I'd have to pull his leg. So it was, a, it was a great feeling having a guy I trust so much that I don't have to worry about the defense. Right. And he was pretty much, he ran it. He did his thing. Obviously he ran it through me things, which I, you know, I appreciate and anything he wanted, I wanted to see he, he did or and vice versa. So, but pretty much it was his, his side of the ball. And I kind of stay on the offensive side of the ball and, and he's, he's been a head coach before he's got the head coach experience. So, I was I was cool and happy with that. So I just completely messed up that whole Watley story. Yeah, I heard yeah. someone told me controversial Watley story. I was just thinking, yeah. you know, I just, now upset. it makes sense yeah. to me yeah. that it was Watley that left Cleveland Heights. Yeah. Now it all makes sense. Yeah, they were a little bit disappointed. Yeah, they were a little disappointed that he came and 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 it kind of you know ruffled some feathers somewhat. But it you know it's all good. That's all, it's right. all good. It all works itself out. Yes, it does. Um, last but not least, I want to talk about the football camp camps that you have ran with Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, for listeners that who, who might not know who Ted Ginn Jr. is, uh, he was a standout athlete at Cleveland Glenville High School, played college football under Jim Trestle at Ohio State, 
Uh, he spent 14 seasons as a wide receiver in the NFL, played for the Saints, Dolphins, 49ers, Cardinals, Panthers, and Bears. Can you t- talk a little bit about these camps that you and Gin ran together? Yeah, we actually did one camp when I was at Beachwood. Uh, I was working real closely with uh, Gin Elite and, and uh, Good to Great Sports, um, Travis, who played at Glenville. And there was some other guys there that had a, a program, and they had some youth programs we wanted to put together a camp. We just wanted to do a camp. Um, and I was fortunate enough, obviously, being in Glenville to, to be around some some guys that's made it. and Some dudes. First, some yeah, some dudes. dudes. Card, you were around the Cardell Joneses. Yeah, so yeah. my dudes. first camp at Beachwood, I had Cardell come speak, and it was it was a big, big time. I mean, I owe Cardell to this day that he, he brought excitement with him, obviously. And that was – it was perfect timing because it was right when he, he beat Alabama, mm-hmm. right? That summer yep. off, he came in, and he was like – Top notch. He was the talk of the town. That was a he game he 12. went. That was a game he, he went, went into. Like he wasn't even the starting quarterback. Right. He got thrown into a right. game and he lit it up. Yep, and he, you know, he had the twelve gauge slogan yep. that he copyrighted, and I had him again come in, and and a couple other guys come in later, you know, years after that, and then I got with, with you know, good to great and Guinea Elite, and said, let's do a camp, man, and let's try and get. Let's try and get as many kids as we can the opportunity to play some football. And they had a good surrounding and I had all my kids in my community. And we wanted kids in everywhere to be a part of it. And we had some um we had some star pack power that day. Uh obviously Ted Ginn Jr. was there. We had uh Crabtree, the receiver that, that played yeah, Michael with Crabtree. Uh, Michael Crabtree. We had went to Texas Tech, if I Texas remember Tech, correctly. Yep. We had uh, I got Travis Kelsey to come, which was a big draw. Um Christ's sakes, who else was there? We had Shelton Gibson from Cleveland Heights who played with the yep. Eagles. Yep. We had uh, Marshawn Lattimore. We had Chris Worley. This, who was just, this is a big lineup. You yeah, know? We had kids about, got excited, man, jacked up for that. It was. We had the drone going. We had the music pumping. We had about 400 to 500 kids. That's it was awesome. a two-day that's camp. Great. It was a beautiful thing, man. Again, that's what it's all about. Yep. Especially when NFL players come down, you yeah. know it's a special thing, and those kids – those kids are just excited to be around. Yep. They might not know yep. Lake football, but they know yep. who Travis Kelsey yes, is. You know, yep. yes, it's pretty do. cool. Yeah. Uh, as we near the end, uh, Coach Krill, you'll be the third person uh, to sign the coach's wall. Yes, third coach, go ahead and sign, sign that bad boy. Sign Make sure you don't hit the table because yeah. uh, Hicks sacked oh, Brady last week. <laughs> um, yeah. As you sign the wall, I just want to explain each uh, each coach I have on the show will have the opportunity to sign the wall. Um, as he's signing. Um, before we end the show, as always, I want to tell the I want you to tell the listeners and the viewers who Coach Damian Creel really is for the people who might not know who you are. Who's who is Coach Creel? Uh, Coach Creel, um, a guy trying to figure it out, man. Um, God fearing, family guy, a husband, father, um, and a guy just trying to figure it out. And, and I'm here to impact kids that 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 need impacted. Um, I think we have a generation of kids that are lost. We have a generation of kids that just need mentorship. And we have a generation of kids that just need some structure and discipline. And, and, and what I'm trying to do is I think it's it's purpose. I think it's God sent for me to do through the game of football and using the game of football to help these young men and young people get to where they have to be. Um, and sometimes they don't see it in themselves. Um, so you have to we have to breathe the life into them so that they can see it. And um, that is who I am. I'm just a guy just trying to figure it just out. Just trying to find your way. <laughs> find I love that answer. Cause I, we used to have a saying over at Kansas, 
just find a way, just figure it out, you know, figure it out. So that's kind of funny. Uh, Coach, once again, I thank you for being here and taking the time to sit down with you. Appreciate Appreciate the time. Appreciate you. Um, Also, I want to thank all of our listeners and viewers. And this is the first time I'm going to be announcing it. Uh, Tune in next week for episode four. Uh, I'm going to dive in with uh, diving in with Dodd as, as we sit down with the head coach Eastlake North. Um, Thanks to every, everyone that has listened in. We'll see everyone later. Welcome to the coaches approach a podcast where we sit down with high school coaches and get the cold hard facts about the high school coaching world. This is the coaches approach where we talk X's and O's. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is the coaches approach where we talk the X's and O's win the day or dominate the day. The choice is yours.